Yes, and I promise you, if there's uh, if there's another edition, you'll actually be mentioned by name rather than squeezed in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about looking stupid. You can leave that to us. <laughs> Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, hello. It's the usual intro. You are back and listening to the Peach and Black podcast. Let's first introduce the panel. It's Toe Jam. Hey. It's Player. I'm long, loose, and full of juice. And Captain. The darkness is reunited. <laughs> NMC rounding out the panel. And this week we've got something a little bit different for you. The author of Prince. Chaos, Disorder, and Revolution, a new book that goes into everything Prince, just right from the beginning of the career up until 2010, covering the entire career, Jason Draper. Jason is the author of Led Zeppelin Revealed and A Brief History of Album Covers. He is also the reviews editor of Record Collector Magazine and a regular contributor to New Musical Express, Uncut, Metal Hammer, and Dance Today. He has never won an award, but on separate occasions, Brian Wilson told him he had nice eyes, and Beck complimented his dress sense. And let's now introduce Mr. Jason Draper. Welcome to the show. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I think so. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much well, for making you. the time available. That's okay, no, thanks for having me, and thanks for trying again and everything. I really appreciate it. Okay, so have you, uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever heard any of our episodes at all? Um, Not full ones, but I've listened to bits and pieces, yeah. I mean, I guess with regards to today, we've got a few general questions about the new book, obviously. Also about Prince himself and and, and maybe some of your thoughts about uh, coming up as a, um, obviously in the business and also from a journalistic point of view, uh, but also as a fan, which is interesting, kind of touch on all points so um i think from from our point of view our listeners will be uh, quite excited to hear some of your comments i should also say thank you for the um uh, review copies of the book yeah um i read straight through it in like two days wow wow i just sat there and read it and read it and read it <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of spend. i have a lot of free time at work <laughs> no, 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 I mean, coming from you guys, that's a real compliment, because uh, I think we all know what, you know, when you become a bit of a hardcore Prince fan, because I'm a fan as well, it's not just out of journalism, I'm a big Prince fan as well, mm. I was a fan first, um, and so, you know, when you become a big Prince fan, uh, if you can appeal to other Prince fans, it's a real bonus, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely, well, I think one of the obvious differences between this book and many of the books that that have come before is the the timeliness i guess and and how recent it is and and the fact that it really encapsulates his entire career which which is a great feat within what what is it 230 odd pages i think something like that yeah how did you find trying to cram all that in (laughs) to (laughs) such an exhaustive work well, yeah, there's an awful lot there. I mean, the, the role, sorry, the role, the goal with the book, rather, was, like you say, there's lots of Prince books out there, and you can read some, and they kind of have the sound of axes being ground, you know? Mm. And uh, and you can, and Prince himself has sort of done a lot of confusing and odd little things, too, which, you know, what I wanted to do <laughs> is really tell the whole story, but I felt that 
a lot of this extraneous stuff like you know changing his name to a symbol becoming jehovah's witness recently has kind of distracted from his real sort of achievements within the business and musically as well mm-hmm. and so the whole goal was to get everything in there but also make it accessible enough so that people could read it as a as a story as well as learning things and hopefully sort of you know without i didn't want to make judgment calls or gossip or things like that i wanted to have a book that said look this is the really good stuff he's done and you still there was a, a dj over in the uk a few weeks ago uh completely appropriate you know not linked to the book at all um was just talking and said out loud oh by the way do we still call him prince anymore and i just think that's bonkers <laughs> that people don't know that now you know and they don't he was the first artist to release an album online and things like that and so um, that was that was the sort of the goal to fit it all in, but make it a readable narrative that people would actually want to, like like you say, sit through from start to finish. Obviously, Prince, in in a very general sense, especially with regards to the music, which is, um, I think, by and large, the main reason that many of us are so intrigued and interested by the guy. But in in putting together this book, did you have a specific audience in mind? Mm. Um, well, the audience was probably. You know, there's, there, there, are, there are other books, you know, like Per Nilsson's research is fantastic, but you can't necessarily sit down and read it in one go. And I wouldn't dare say that this is a challenge to that in any way, but it's very dense, isn't it? So there was an audience I was looking for who, who might want to more, of, as I said a minute ago, more of a narrative, but also people who, you know, the timeliness and things like that, that you touched upon earlier, people are more interested nowadays, aren't they? Probably than they were 10 years ago, for instance. And like I said, there's a lot of confusing things. The, the, the name keeps coming up, and then you've got artists like The Dream, and over here you've got LaRue, who are really like LaRue's quicksand song. So, sorry, who? <laughs> oh, LaRue? Have you heard? L A R O U X. Very vaguely, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's bigger over. Sorry? Bulletproof. That's Bulletproof. the one, yeah. She, she did yeah. another one called Quicksand, which mm-hmm. is more or less When Doves Cry by a <laughs> Uh, you know, with all these things coming back and, and people taking more interest. And, of course, you had the 21 Nights in the UK a few years ago. And Croke Park was big news over here, obviously, because it's just across the water. And, yeah. and uh, Welcome to America and things like that, which sort of started just as I was finishing working on the book. So I kind of went to press just before his first opening gig for that, I think. Which so that was kind of lucky timing. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, all these things are coming back, and like I say, there there are books which with you know which have got different agendas, and so the audience the audience in my mind was someone who really wanted to know the story without the nonsense. On that non-biased approach, did you ever consider doing your own um, the book in it with your own views out there, or was it always no? I'm just going to write it. Here's the facts. Here's the stories, kind of thing. My views are sort of in there, I think, um, and I think that I could have been a bit more effusive in some places, but then if you're going to be a bit more effusive in some places, you've got to be a bit nastier in other places, and I didn't really want to unfairly stick the boot in when I didn't have to, because other yeah. people can do that, and other people will do that, and uh, so I <laughs> kind of figured that, you know, you can't have one without the other, right? Yeah, well, there's a, another Prince biography out there, and it's basically set up the whole book, you know, the first half is, you know, oh, Prince is a legend, and then the second half is all, oh, Prince is... You know, a nasty guy, and it's. I find it that whole take on it is just it's too one-sided either way. And I think, totally. uh, yeah, and I think something like this is a bit more. You know, you can read it and make up your own opinion. So. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I mean, that one-sided thing is totally reductive. And then you know, by the time you get to musicology, it was such a success anyway that it, you yeah. can't ignore that sort of thing. And and you know, things like the internet pioneering. Yeah, he had problems with distribution with Crystal Ball and everything, but. 
those are side effects of a man who's really reaching out into somewhere that no one else has done anything in that field yet. Of course, there are going to be problems. Mm. I've got one question. Uh, in mm-hmm. the, when you're talking about controversy, the album, I'm not sure if this is your opinion or if it was, I can't remember if it was yours or someone else's. You said you were talking about the confused state of that album. I just thought that was a really cohesive album. So I was just wondering where that came from. Really? I find it a, a not, when I say a mess, I don't mean a mess in a negative term. I think it's kind of, mm. to me, it's the album that sets up 1999. And that is so sort of precise and so focused that with, to me, uh, mm. Controversy is kind of a bit all over the place. You've got songs like Ronnie Talk to Russia and you've got songs like Jack You Off and things like that, which are just like, it's it's kind of, and also in many ways, a sort of precursor to Love Sexy. And it's just this absolute splurge of what's on his mind mm. at the moment. I find it quite, uh, I find it quite fr- a fractured album myself. Speaking of albums, um, if we had to put you on the spot at the moment, can you pick a favourite? Dream Factory. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I, doubt, I, 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 just... I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you not allowed to talk about that here? Well, we um we we've escaped the Paisley Park Police thus far. We'll rephrase the question. What's your favourite released album? A parade. Uh, not far away. Okay. And and um and, and why is that? Is it does it hold a special place in your heart? Is it a specific key track, or is it just the whole thing in general? I think it's it's one of the albums where because I mean he's he's so good at sounding so fully formed like 1999 like I just said a minute ago it's so focused and so perfectly encapsulated and Purple Rain just sounds like it's a perfect record and when you get to Parade it really sounds like he's really stretching out more than even on the earlier albums where he sort of mastered how to ride a funk groove by the by the second record and on Parade it's the time where you really feel that he's a bit out on a limb and maybe he himself is hasn't quite mastered what he's doing yet and what i mean by that is not that it's it's a faulty album he in his mind is still learning as he's going and i that's i kind of hear that in the record more so than say on sign of the times and i find that really exciting to hear prince sort of out on a limb like that and okay. by saying parade is is your favorite album you, you you proved the the fact that you know parade was the album that really made him huge in europe as well yeah well like maybe if that was part of the jazz influence we've always got a bit of a history with uh accepting uh, jazzier sides of things than, say, America. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's also the, the French influence, the um, the uh, mm. Nice, you know, the Nice reference, and, and obviously the, the movie had a certain uh, uh, glamorous appeal, <laughs> maybe. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> to, to, to some people. words. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um and, and a key track off off that record, or, or in fact, even a key track from his discography. I mean, it's a it's a very uh, difficult question to answer. I know, but just wondering if there's if there's one that pops up either on on that on your favorite album or um you know in the entire over of the man's work. Key tracks are so so impossible to pick, uh, and and I think that's the sort of thing mm. that really divides people. Like my girlfriend likes Prince a lot, but she hates Adore, for instance, which I think is one of the greatest Aww. things. He did. I know, <laughs> she, but she's not really into that sort of slow slow jam sort of stuff. Um, for me, I mean, it's it's totally difficult. Difficult. If you're going to look at Parade, I mean, you can do the whole first run of the first four or five tracks, Girls and Boys. Every time I hear that live, I still get excited by it, and uh, which is I just find that song incredibly exciting. But it's also got sometimes it snows in April, which actually is a song that means a lot to me personally. Uh, the song Crystal Ball just 
amazing. I mean, that might be my favourite because, again, it's that sort of total madness of really hearing him out on a limb trying to... It's like he's mm. on a ship trying to keep everything together, you know? Um, I, so, you know, many times that's my favourite, yeah. <laughs> it's it's largely impossible, as I'm sure you guys find yourself. I realise it was a very unfair question. We wouldn't even ask that of ourselves, <laughs> so I'm being very rude to you at the moment. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Just going, going back to a door. <laughs> I can't leave that alone. I don't really like a lot of his ballads, but how can you not listen to a door and say that's a masterpiece, even if you don't like that kind of song? I bet the same, the same thing in the car. Part <laughs> 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 of the thing when it's the sort of counter melodies and things like that, it's just such a. It's the song. Funny enough, when I first listened to Sign of the Times, I kind of wrote off at the end and was like, "Why did he stick that on the end?" You know, after it's going to be uh, a beautiful. And then the more you listen to it, the more it really opens its charms to you. And I just think, as you say, it's an absolute masterpiece. The vocals, uh, some of the best vocals he's ever recorded. And if you hold that up to, like, I don't know, Insatiable or Somewhere Here on Earth and stuff like that, which is when he starts to really get his Xerox machine out and start running off, you know, ballads that mm-hmm. kind of you can do in his sleep. Uh, <laughs> Adore is just on another level entirely. Yeah. Can you, can you recall when the first time you heard Prince? Anything in Probably not the very first time, but I think the first time I really started to become aware is my mum, funny enough, had the Diamonds and Pearls cassette and used to play it in the car on the school run. And uh, so I think she probably has a lot to answer for. <laughs> ah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. That's, a, that's the same as me. My really? friend, yeah, had, had, he had the Diamonds and Pearls cassette and he was playing it to me. And that's what started me as well. That's so. amazing. High five over the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is with Diamonds and Pearls is it hasn't really lasted to me. I don't listen to it that much these days. It's got some great standout tracks, but I find it hard going all the way through. But a bit of a guilty pleasure. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Um, a lot of people tend to sneer at me, but I absolutely love Daddy Pop. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Tony, Tony, M, Tony M will have that effect, we're going back to the book itself, and I guess a, a slightly controversial idea in 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 the in the Prince fan community is, uh, to say the least, is that his career seems to be split almost into the the first half, or what now would be considered the first third, the 80s, the 78 to 88 period, let's say. And everything that came afterwards, it just seems to be a thread on, on the internet, on fan sites, on forums, on discussions we've had on this show, for example. Uh, when you were compiling the book, when you were writing it and, and, and going through the editing process, did, did you notice maybe a shift in, uh, surely a shift in direction, but a shift in quality potentially, if that's the right word to use, as you were going through the book? Sorry, you mean quality about my book or quality of Prince's music? But, his his music and and what he was what he was producing. <laughs> he yeah. He got he got to nineteen ninety eight and just started typing whatever came to him. So. <laughs> that, the whole second half is just stream of consciousness. <laughs> um. Yes, I think it's a bit too reductive to say eighty eight. After eighty eight, it all got really bad because I think the Love Symbol album is a bit of an undersung piece myself. Um, I'm a fan yeah. of that one. Oh, it's patchy, but I think it's a great record. Uh, maybe he should have taken the Siegs off of it to make it 
stay that way for a record buying audience but mm-hmm. you know the stage show it worked out much better on the stage show than it did on record i think that whole story um you know there are tracks on come that i really like i think the gold experience is fantastic my real personal uh, interest drops probably slightly later during the late 90s where things like new power soul really doesn't speak to me um <laughs> raven to the joy fantastic i don't really go back to too often oh. um, Oh no! <laughs> but hey, but I love a door. You know, we're friends. <laughs> a remix version that he did, and he sold through his website, uh, Rave Into the Joy Fantastic. I think that's slightly better. And I know you could be arguing that I'm splitting hairs, but I was more excited by that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rainbow Children. I mean, I listened. I, you got to kind of get your head over some of the th- lyrics in there, or a lot of the lyrics in there, and. Uh, you know, the first few times it's heavy going, but I think the Rainbow Children is his probably most recent artistic peak. I like 3121 enough to listen to it a few times. Um, you know, it's it's not amazing by any stretch, but it, I think it's a more successful sort of consolidation of his skills in the latter period than, say, Musicology or Planet Earth, which left me very cold. <laughs> um, and then the, P, the, the P-Funk song or the PFU song... Uh, that he knocked off overnight was just a brilliant. That was sort of, I'd, I'd like more yeah. of that. We've just got to keep making him angry, and that's what it comes <laughs> up with. <laughs> that's the key. That's the key. And again, going through going through the book and Prince's entire career, there are there are so many albums, and I'm just wondering with with the work that you do um, for a record collector, how how much of the Prince influence, if any, bleeds in, into your thought process when you're reviewing other people's work, I, if at all? Um, it all depends on what you're reviewing, really. Mm. Uh, none at all if I'm reviewing Bob Dylan's new album. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you do get stuff that, uh, yeah, there was a great record that came out over here last year called uh, by a band called These New Puritans. I don't know if they made it your way yet. Uh, they did their second album, was called Hidden. And I think in my review for that, I said it sounded like a mix of sort of radioheady dubstepy stuff, um, Kate Bush, and the kind of weird, murky stuff that Prince was doing around the Camille period. Mm-hmm. They kind of got a lot of that going on. So when you, when you hear it, you hear it. And the thing is, when you hear it, you can't deny it either. It's not like it comes from anyone else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, i got a book question. Now, you released uh, that big purple book. Uh, or Life and Times. Times. Life and Times, that's right. Yeah. So what brought you back to doing this book, having already done a Prince book in the past? Life and Times was an exclusive for Barnes & Noble in the States. So nobody could buy it. Well, you could buy it. You know, the the beauty of the internet is that, yes, you can buy it anywhere else. I got a copy. I got a copy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But sort of, you know, in terms of walking into a shop, you could only walk into Barnes & Noble over there and pick it up and go to a counter. Uh, okay. So this, so basically, that sold out, and uh, and that was fantastic news. And so they they kind of said right because that's with Barnes and Noble and Jawbone, Backbeat Books, and this one is with Jawbone, Backbeat, and Hal Leonard. And so they kind of all got together and said, well, that one's selling out or just about to sell out. So can you make make going with a um, second edition? So this right, is sort okay. of, but sort of not a second edition, if that makes sense, because it's it's completely re-edited, it's completely rewritten, and mm. it's not big and velvet covered. Mm. Yeah, because I had looked through it. I thought, oh, I wonder if he's just done the old copy and paste here. But um, <laughs> no, it's, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But uh, no, actually, with the um, Life and Times book, I really like that book because I remember being a bit disappointed with Prince's big purple book at the time. And um, when that one came out, I was like, ah, oh, this is what I wanted the Prince book to be like. So Thank you very much. That's very kind. That was really um, a complete accident in timing. That came out September, wasn't it? September 2008, Prince's copy, Prince's one. And mine yeah. was yeah. around that same sort of time. Although we'd actually signed the contract for my one the year before. Uh, and when Prince's came out, I just thought, right. I first thought, who's told him that mine's <laughs> it, it, it wasn't us, Jason, I promise you. <laughs> and then I thought, he is not going to be happy with me. <laughs> but here's a question for you guys in, in saying he's not going to be happy with me um, and talking about part of the reasons for the book as well and like I, like I said several times is that there are things which have been I feel unfairly overlooked and that I, I felt I could maybe explain to a, an audience and maybe didn't know so what the story so well is that I hope it's clear in the book but I haven't really tried to do the dirty at all it's very much a celebratory uh, or it's intended to be a very celebratory sort of you know great guy mm. Uh, 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 release so I hope that kind of comes across yeah definitely yeah yeah there's there's no like negative comments that that yeah you, that you could take that from that I saw no, no but, you can, you. but it also good. documents the struggles that he went through particularly with the name changes and the fight with Warners so, yeah, and you yeah, can't that, ignore that's, yeah that's right you can't gloss over that or ignore it so I mean, if it's in there, it's in there for a reason to document, you know, how even it affects how he made decisions as well. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Thank you. The, the, the other thing that I, that I really like is when, when going through it, and, and although I guess the, the very early story, Prince's early years, has been so well documented um, that by hardcore fans it's so well known, one of the things that, that really kind of stood out to me and... Um, made me kind of grin a few times is is how um, how fan like y- you make it from the point of view of going from the chapter titles um, you know it would have been so easy and, and and other authors have done this to to just name check the year or the album or the approximate mm-hmm. era but you know you've got you've got these really nifty titles from you know you've got to try a new position or or <laughs> I, I hate you the exodus has begun and 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 you yeah. know they they tell the story so well uh, and I think that that's the fan coming through. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. And thank you for noticing. Yeah, it was that was good fun doing that. They, they were the last thing I did, but also the thing that you kind of leave to last because you really want to make sure you get them right. You know, mm. they said, you know, I said to uh, the guys when we were putting it together, I said, I don't want to just have chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. You want to sort of do something. You kind of give each one a little headline. What I found interesting was. There was a few things in this book which I read, and they're probably just common knowledge facts, but I'd just never heard them before. Things like controversy, outselling dirty mind, which was probably obvious when you think about it, but I'd just never read it before. And I thought, you know, wow. And then there was Prince was the first act since the Beatles to have the top song, the album, and movie at the same time. I never knew that. That's amazing, isn't it? So I think that's the even, case. Even to me, even to me, who knows everything? I learned something, which is good. <laughs> well, that's, that's really good to know. Like, yeah, brilliant. Like I said earlier, if you can, you know, really uh, appeal to the hardcore fan in that way, that's fantastic. Because, you know, I think Prince is some of the most <laughs> fiercely loyal hardcore fans, and it's very difficult sometimes mm. to, uh, you know, what I mean. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was when I got it, I'm like, 
I know what's going to be in this book. I know this. <laughs> but, but then, like, every, you know, every chapter there was, like, at least one thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's interesting, which is good. That's brilliant. That's really great news. And how many, there's, like, 18 I, chapters. So you learned at least 18 things. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> one thing, one, every one every thing show's a lesson at Peach and Black, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing was, you say every room in Paisley Park is wide for sound. I did not know that. And I've never yeah. seen that anywhere else, which is really cool. I didn't know that. I think that was Kevin Smith came up with that, I think. Uh, I think he uh. found that out the hard way, didn't he? Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and of course, yeah, like you say, it makes perfect sense. I mean, from, from every perspective, from, of course, the idea that, you know, Prince likes to know what's going on and things like that, but also for a guy who seems completely incapable of stopping making music you really can imagine him just wanting to grab something and, like, you know, bash something out in the kitchen, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, we know what you know, came out of the bathroom. It was the Bria Valente project. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible having every room wide for sound, though. If, if every room literally means every room, you could imagine him making pancakes in the morning and then thinking, well, I could use that under, under a bit of lin, maybe give it a, a little bit more density. <laughs> and there was just a, there was a few other things as well, which I did know, but it was just, you know, the, the way you presented them, it, it just made me understand it, in it better. Like when you said, uh, originally when he, he wanted Crystal Ball to be a triple album, and then Warner said no, and he wanted to do it as it should be. And, and you said that was his first real feud with Warners. And of course it was, but I just never connected it with the 90s feud. Mm. And it, yeah, it just all connected in my brain then, but I'd never done that before. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. You almost mentioned us in there, Jason. I noticed that. <laughs> but you didn't. <laughs> I almost I think mentioned you. Well, ah, yeah, to, towards, towards the end? It's, yes. It's in the, last couple, it's in the last couple of pages. You're like, I don't have it in front of me, but you were saying... Oh, he was putting out hints of 2010 Deluxe Edition and remasters. And I knew that you were going to say Come this. On. No. <laughs> I, no, I knew you were going to say this. And I, it was really at the last, I'd already sent the final copies to, um, not the final copy, sorry, the final text document to the guys. And then every week, because he started announcing the Welcome to America stuff and this, that, and the other was coming out and rich friends and rumors of, uh, wasn't it Funkenberry said there were rumours of a reissue campaign and you know and the, and the re-release of 2010 that I was literally trying to squeeze in lines and lines at the last minute as they were going to press mm. and it was all slightly jumbled and confused at the time as well uh, in terms of is this really happening or is it one of the things that Prince says is happening that by the time the book comes out <laughs> I feel really stupid yeah. um, so <laughs> yes and I promise you if there's uh, if there's another edition you'll actually be mentioned by name rather than squeezed in <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about looking stupid you can leave that to us <laughs> we're <laughs> we we we're, we're the ones that actually mentioned most of that information on the show and then none of it came true so um. I'm genuinely interested um I, I, what 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 took place the the whole thing is is just uh, I could probably summarize the um our interview/conversation with him uh, over those 2 hours by saying it was as chaotic as his career <laughs> you know, it was just it all had over, as many all ups and downs in those exactly. 3 days <laughs> really but but very very interesting and um you know you, you just never know what, what it's actually going to be like but you know over the course of the conversation we got some some information that sounded like um you know 
technically from the horse's mouth. <laughs> that sounded like it was it was pretty much happening. You know, there's a there's a deluxe 2010 edition. There there are all these other songs. I think might have even mentioned an extended version of Adore, which was music to our ears. Yeah, but yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah. Not your not your girlfriend though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was you know an incredible experience. So um, yeah, it must seem quite surreal oh, oh. from this distance. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely is. And um, have you ever had any close encounters with uh, with Prince or, or with the with the um, Paisley Park squad? His publicist wasn't pleased with my review of 2010, which I did for the enemy. Oh, let um, us know about that. I think it's. I think you can still Google it. It's still online. Um, I uh, most of my views on 2010, I think, is, are in the book, and uh, I ended up giving it four out of ten, and I wasn't very positive about it, and I, I don't feel that mm. it's a particular. You know, it's not a great <laughs> album um, by any stretch, and so his publicist got in touch, but it was very short. It was just a one-liner that said, "Is this you?" Ouch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I put oh. my hand said yes and then the, that was kind of it that's kind of all, as far as that went um and then when he did the 21 nights in london i was about a foot away from him when he was being pushed on the box once that's probably the closest i've physically been uh, uh, and really weirdly that was really quite exciting but it's odd it's a big black box and you yeah, can't yeah. see a thing but you just know he's sitting there that's brilliant <laughs> but um no it's good that you're honest in your in your review though because like Every album that comes out is always the best album since Sign of the Times, the times. and invariably, yeah. most of the time, it's not. Uh, not to say they're bad, but you know, there's always there's always this hype that comes out every album. So it's good that you're stuck to your guns. Did you see what the Mirror said? They, that was the paper they gave out. In that was the first time. review, wasn't it? There was one that was yeah. ridiculously positive. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> it was his best Quiet Storm ballad ever. His best rocker ever. His best romantic <laughs> song ever. And uh, each, they literally did a list of the song titles and like, one-liners at the end of it. And you kind of think, brilliant, um, I'll find this. Oh, it's in your paper for free. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no conflict of interest there at all. <laughs> <laughs> one more quote out of the book. I think this is your opinion. His band seem more anonymous with every tour. I could not agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they just now? Last time I saw him, they were in the symbol, in the circle bit at the head, and I think the lights were off. You know, they can barely see yeah. their instruments. The symbols were highlighted, and Prince is down there, and the twins were up there, and, uh, uh, you know, Shelby's there. But I think the band themselves were practicing <laughs> darkness. And it's such a shame. I mean, you know, it's a real shame. Uh, who knows why that is? Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a shame. And and did your opinion of of either Prince, in a general sense, or his work, uh, change at all after after completing after completing the book? Uh, I think it's kind of weird because when you get to the Proposition Eight stuff, you just kind of slap your head and say, "Well, you just say something. Come yeah. on." You know, that's <laughs> Everyone. Let's just all <laughs> say something and be, you know, simple about this. But then also, I think in many ways I kind of uh, maybe turned down my personal view a bit and thought, you know what, he really isn't as bad as people make out. And I think he's much funnier than people realise. The guy's a hoot, really. And uh, mm. and and you know, I think 
there are frustrations obviously there are frustrations being a prince fan it's like you know supporting a kind of mid-table football team isn't it? <laughs> great and then you lows do you know what i mean but it's a great roller coaster ride yeah, you, um, n- you never know whether they're going for the championship or they'll be struggling to get out of the relegation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and so I think, you know, yeah, you get the Ted Slapper moment type proposition and you just think, oh, come on, man, say something and, you know, make it easier for everyone. Mm. But So you do realise that he's obviously still really striving to, you know, you know when he did his sort of auditions for Warners and that and they had him recording for himself and oh, sorry recording by himself and everyone came in dressed as janitors and he didn't realize that they were kind of auditioning him really and mm. you kind of have that feeling that he is still now however many years later it is still really striving in many ways to prove himself like he was in those early days maybe some of that you know he must have found out that that happened later and maybe some of that has stuck with him and you can kind of only really admire the sort of continual if you know 2010 might not have been the best album, but he's still trying to do outside of that. He's still trying to do something, you know, and, you know, he's still, I guess, with musicology was the great success story. And you kind of really it is kind of exciting to see him try. Lotus Flower and MPLS sound. It was a it was a good try. Yeah, Lotus Flower is OK. I don't know. I see Lotus Flower is like a watered down Rainbow Children um, with less contentious lyrics. And uh, MPLS sound doesn't really do it for me at all, I'm afraid. Although the Q-tip rap is the best rap that he's ever put on record. What do you think about that player? Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> he puts his uh, foot in Tony M's ass. <laughs> 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 I, I, I was almost going to guess you were going to say Daddy Pop on that one, or maybe Push. How about Push? <laughs> oh, no. See, Come on, from Pakistan to Poland, you can't get over that. <laughs> such a such Daddy Pop, but Push and Jughead and all that, I can't, I can't get with any of that, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a question on the book uh, in terms of its re- release you were saying about um, A Life and Times only being released in America so this book will have some sort of worldwide distribution I'm guessing or... yeah uh, it's as far as I'm aware it's in all good bookstores as they say great awesome so down, even down here in Australia we'll be getting it hopefully I hope so yeah um, if not then it's got a wider sort of Amazon star release and things like that which Life and Times didn't get I think these things end up finding their way on there through the Amazon marketplace and stuff but uh, yeah. I think officially Barnes and Noble was the only route for the last one whereas this one you can kind of more or less get you know Waterstones website or whatever yeah much easier to get hold of great and, That's is, great. and is it a, any coincidence that the recommended retail price is nineteen ninety nine? <laughs> You're right. I haven't noticed that. <laughs> You're very meticulous, Jason. You just, the references just keep on coming. Yeah. Even down to the price. <laughs> well, if he can do thirty-one twenty-one tickets, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and um, how does writing this, or how did writing this, I should say, compare to, um, for example? Uh, the Led Zeppelin Revealed project? Uh, they're totally different beasts, really. Led Zeppelin uh, is, is, again, have you, have you seen that at all? Uh, not read it, no. Okay, no not, no reason why you should have. Some Someone um, had seen it, and I thought, blimey, this came out five years ago. I didn't realise it still existed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Again, it's more, it's more of a coffee table one, but that was one of those books where uh you you know there were big photos and i had to write big captions and the trick with that was to write sort of 300 400 word individual pieces so that you could open that book on any page and get an encapsulated part of a history Mm -hmm. but also over however many 
hundred of those pieces there were that you could tell a narrative through it as well. And that was kind of a weird, uh, a different type of beast to deal mm. with, really. Sounds interesting. Mm. And I guess we have to ask the, the obvious question, or it seems at least seems obvious to me. Um, following on from the, from the Led, Zepp- Led Zeppelin revealed uh, book, what, what do you think of um, Prince's covers of Whole Lot of Love? If we can get a bit of a comment on that. Uh, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I prefer him. I'm not a big Led Zeppelin fan, to be honest. Okay. So I'll take, I'll take Prince doing a whole lot of love. The only Zeppelin <laughs> song I, I, uh, I really go back to is Immigrant Song, which sounds like it's it isn't even being played by humans. I don't know how they put that together. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take Prince's whole lot of love over Led Zeppelin's. Oh, it's, it's a whole lot of love there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but not his version of Watchtower. <laughs> no, that's right. Exactly. Especially not the hard copy. So. <laughs> With regards to the research for the book, did you encounter any um, any interesting uh, figures, or, or did you encounter any any troubles in, in in researching some of the facts and maybe some of the scene, you know the behind the scenes type stuff um, when you were when you were going through the process? Um, with all of these things, you've kind of got to use a lot of judgment calls, really. Uh, and I think the most tangled bits were, funnily enough, around the time of the name change and all the sorts of comings and goings there. That, I mean, that's just a crazy amount of people to keep tabs on uh, and, and hmm. you know, revolved doors and th- of, of businessmen and stuff like that. But it's kind of a lot to sort of you really had to plan that sort of that sort of stuff out. Uh, and when you and, and also the musicology era, funnily enough, because there are so many wild figures, you know, you know, when someone makes a, you know, ostensibly makes this great comeback and some paper reports that, well, he's played to 20 billion people this year. And you can, mm-hmm. well, that's possible, you know, um, and trying to sort of you kind of just have to start making judgment calls with, with everything that you've got and look at what's realistic. Look at what keeps getting mentioned. Look at all the things and bring it together. Together, you know, so many miniature resources tie into to sort of one piece like that, you know? Yeah. Mm. Have you given any thought to either updating this book or, you know, setting aside a certain amount of time, um, a few years potentially, and, and revisiting the story at all? I would love to. I would absolutely love to. I think uh, it depends on all sorts of things that are out of my control, I suppose. Mm. But, you know... Uh, in several, you know, there was what three years gap between life and times in this version, and if if there's another three years gap between another one, that would be amazing. I would really like to keep it as a rolling thing that exists and keeps updating. Uh, and I think, you know, that what, another thing, in fact, in terms of what it was I conscious about in writing it, I didn't want to just deal with the last sort of a few albums or a few years and a few pages. That really annoys me. You've got there was a great book on the Rolling Stones written a few years ago. And when the guy did an update, uh, he literally added 10 pages to the end of this book. And it was however many years old. And the closing paragraph or the closing little section of the book was the closing section of the book from the previous edi- previous edition, which told this story of Keith Richards coming out of a gig and nicking a, you know, a fan gave him a guitar to sign. And he nicked it and got in the taxi and drove away. <laughs> <laughs> It's a funny story and it's a great end of a book, but he kind of says, he starts it with around this time. And you kind of think, well, yeah. what, when? Around this time, was that 2011 or 2008? When are we mm. talking? Um, and so mm. I, I was very conscious in this book that I wanted to give everything its fair 
space and not just you know rush through things and and, and the likes uh so if in a few years time i can continue to do that that would be wonderful i'd love to yeah well, we were talking about this offline earlier, um, exactly what you just said, but, but from a fan's point of view, um, reading this, it's great to see so much time allocated and, and so much material allocated to the, the um, rave era, especially the Rainbow Children era, because there's just so little written about that in general. That's another benefit, and that's something that I was really looking forward to. I, I have to say that the the first kind of uh, few chapters, from a hardcore from Prince fans' point of view, like Captain said earlier, it's um, certainly a lot of that you, you, we feel like we know. Um, mm. But then you really start getting into not only the the chronology, um, but some of the behind the scenes stuff, the album releases, the tours, and it's just all there, which is which is great to have, you know, in 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 one in literally in one book, in one piece of work. And and I'd be fascinated to, to to see what a second or should I say third volume would would read like. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. I just wonder, have you sent Prince a copy of of uh, Chaos, Disorder, and Revolution? <laughs> um, not personally, but I'm sure I I should have sent them for his birthday, shouldn't I? But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> it might um, be some I'm good sure background reading for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure he's aware of it. He I, he was aware of Life and Times. So I'm sure he's aware mm. of this edition. He's, you know, he's he's pretty up on these things, isn't he? I think it would be foolish, like like with you guys, you know. I think it would be foolish to pretend that he doesn't know. And I'm sure if Prince ever wants to, again, like with you guys, if he ever wants to talk, you know about it, don't you? Definitely, yeah. yeah. R- rarely do you hear from them, but when you do, it's certainly interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's not I'm hard to get hold of. You know, I work on a I work on a pretty <laughs> a yeah. pretty easy magazine to find. <laughs> Well, it sounds like I'm selling myself. Hey, find me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Prince, if you're out there, Jason's number is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to go overboard um, <laughs> with with the with with the, with the review, but um, it's no, just no, something that, that was constantly constantly <laughs> appearing in the back. Yeah, exactly. But it, it was just constantly appearing in the back of my mind. It was just like, uh, okay, well, covering all bases all the time. So. Um, Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. And, and, and I think another thing, when we talk about, you know, what I was thinking about when I was doing it, you look at people like, I don't know, say Bob Dylan or the Beatles or, you know, all these great artists that are universally acknowledged as being absolute game changers. And I also thought it was such a shame that when it comes to Prince books, you know, the sort of narrative biographies about him, in, they're all, you know, no, 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 not all of them. Sorry, I'm being unfair. But, you know, they didn't really modern day ones didn't really treat him as this great game changing artist. And there's kind of a, you know, you feel that sometimes that there's a focus on a jokey story as well as the good bits. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, Mm. certainly. And, 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 you know, you're talking about a very serious musician and, and uh, going back to the point that you made earlier and, and that in fact that you make in the book uh, at times, um, everything else can overshadow it, but, but what we learn by the end of the story, or, or at least, um, up up until the this point in in his career and, and in the story of the of this book is that as the famous line goes it ain't over um, mm. it you know we, we've we've come to this to this amazing point in his career and he's we, we talk about this on the show I, I'd wonder just to get your quick opinion on this um, we, we fight about it all the time Jason but <laughs> some of us think he's at a crossroads some of us think he's maybe past it 
uh, from a, from the point of view of you know what what can he really offer to the um to the game so to speak to the music industry and and to the listeners where do you sit on which side of the fence are you sitting i think personally that maybe he he said on George Lopez recently, one of his favourite lines is that he's used over the years is that he's on studio rehab. Mm. And I think over the last string of releases that came out so quickly from musicology onwards, um, if that's the case, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, mm. Because there's been, you know, especially over here when you had uh, uh, Planet Earth, it's given away with the newspaper and it's a great comeback. And then a couple of years later, you get 2010, it's given away with the newspaper and it's a great comeback. And you kind of think, <laughs> this real uh sort of angst behind it and 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 uh i kind of feel that a break is the sort of thing he you know it's the sort of thing that he went really underground at the early part of the noughties and he was still working but working in that real sort of you know as i said earlier he kind of realized that he could do some stuff for himself again and and so when he did come out of musicology it was greeted as this great comeback which was kind of like he said well he, he never really went away but to at least have that uh what's the word i'm looking for the the idea that perhaps he is or to at least take a break i think can only be a good thing because you know the whole battle with warner brothers was about flooding the market right and mm. uh and people you know gold experience turned out to be a fantastic album that's brilliant but also it can be quite exhausting and if he took a bit of a break and came back i think it's like i don't know uh, hold him up against say bowie or something who has been gone for the best part of eight years now and if Bowie came out and just did like a piano solo album or something, <laughs> it would be, you know, that would be amazing. And that's the same sort of thing, you know, like maybe he could do something like that. I know he's done kind of his piano solo album, but you know what I mean? Take a bit of a break and come back with something that's that's not trying to work so hard in today's modern R&B field, maybe. He can come back and play the hits just for one more time. <laughs> <laughs> How is the reaction and the response? I'm, I'm really curious to know. Amongst other authors, amongst other journalists, and, and amongst the people that you work with, with regards to, to Prince and your um, fandom, if you can call it that, of, of his work. Uh, the reaction's been kind of... The reaction's been great in terms of uh, press and stuff, which is really wonderful. I was really pleased with that. But also, I think people... Maybe they should all read the book because people are still quite confused. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Mm. and you know he's at times he's been his own worst enemy with that anyway he's a great man at creating confusion around himself but also that just seems mm. to be this is another thing i don't understand why is it that anyone is, is happy to sit down and and really investigate all of the beatles records but for some reason prince is still considered to just be the guy who wrote a few of these great hits it's the makeup and the heels. And the heels. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> people just can't. I've, I've found that people just can't get over the makeup get and the heels. It. And it, yeah. But once you get over that, like, you know, the music. He's an amazing musician. The song, amazing songwriter, just amazingly talented. It's scary. And it's endless. And it's so excitingly endless. But um, you know, when you start getting into it, and then you realise. That there is, you know, if you take in all of the the time records and Sheila E and all of these other things around it, you're looking at what upwards of 60 releases or something like that, which is that's so exciting to know that you've got lots of that there. And then when you start to look at <coughs> other things um, that you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you may or may not be allowed to mention. Uh, <laughs> wrap it up. Has anyone else got anything brief? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking to us. 
It's great. It's really nice to talk to, um, you know, you guys have obviously read it and you're obviously fans, which is which is just really nice. You know, you get some interviews and they are kind of like, so Prince, you know, he's wild, isn't he? What <laughs> made you... <laughs> well, I'm happy. I'm happy that that we didn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. That makes me inherently proud about our show. <laughs> so no, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, that's very very kind of you. Further your Peach and Black experience on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Peach and Black forums. You can also subscribe to the Peach and Black podcast for free at iTunes. <laughs>